welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic that helps us have better conversations with ourselves and with other people. I'm your host, Sarah Noel Wilson, and it is I there. It is my absolute honor. I was going to say I'm fangirling a bit. I'm so excited. <laughs> We've been waiting for this conversation. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Neha Sumput. Uh, Neha is uh, Esquire. I need to give you the full, like, all of your your earnings. Uh, is the CEO and founder of Belong Lab, where she helps organizations create cultures of belonging into which each individual can bring more of their true and best self. Through consulting, training, speaking, and writing, she helps organizations create peak performance, inclusive teams by addressing addressing hidden barriers to belonging, such as internalized bias, unconscious bias, distrust in teams, and wellness challenges. She's an internationally sought-after expert on inclusive leadership and disrupting imposter syndrome, which we'll be exploring today. And she runs the top-rated Owning Your Value programs to cultivate evidence-based confidence and nurture authenticity. We will put the rest of her bio so you can learn all about her. But Neha, welcome, 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 welcome to the show. Sarah, I am like relaxed. You can see me relaxing in my chair. (laughs) I I just love spending time with you. And Mm. I have been looking forward to this. And it's even better than I imagined. Just being in your presence and getting to dig in. It's going to be a lot of fun. I my cheeks hurt. People who are listening to this, you can't see it, but my face is red and my cheeks hurt because I'm smiling so hard. So I'm gonna have to massage. But I think I think we should start with how we met because I think that it's a really beautiful love story. It's not. Beautiful, it is. But it it's, is. It's a it's a it's a it's a lovely love story. Um, I. Neha and I met, and I can't remember if I was already connected with you or that was our literally our first. I think it might have been one of our. I think it was, it was our, our first, first interaction, interaction. But yes. I know that I already had been. I probably was already following you. Well, that's how I. Saw yeah, we were connected. Yeah, we were connected on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I posted what was something that I've shared before of this idea that um, you don't get to control who trusts you. Um, I forget what the exact language was. And, um, or you don't get to decide, right, if you're trustworthy or not, other people do. And, and, and that, and you pushed back and offered an expansion on that, that I hadn't offered, which was, and when you're a systemically marginalized person, trustworthiness often isn't given to you. And I remember you know, sometimes with with social media content, you're like, okay, let's just pull from this and we'll po- post it, and you know, like we'll share it, and we kn- we know that it's resonated with people. But when you responded and pushed it back, I remember just looking at my phone, going, "Damn, that this felt like an insignificant thing to share," and suddenly you made it sign- even like more significant in a way that I hadn't considered. And uh, sat with it, processed it. Nick and I ended up having lots of conversations about that, and and that's where we started. Was your willingness to push push me and my language and my perspective to consider broader than what I was considering? And I was so so grateful for you for doing that. And that's that's how we met. Yeah, I I and and it's interesting because there's more to that story, right? Like, mm. um, for me, I found so much. Oh gosh, I don't even know what the word is. Um, honestly, it, some of it was a sense of relief. Um, mm. And some of it was reassurance. And some of it was 
honestly being valued in how you responded to my expanding, right? Like my, essentially what I did was say, actually, I have a different perspective. Let me mm-hmm. share you with you a mar- you know, a perspective from my marginalization and from many other people's, you know, multiple mar- marginalizations. And that, that is a scary thing to put out into the world because that isn't all, always welcome. And in fact, it's mm-hmm. all, often unwelcome. I've done a similar thing, as I mentioned to you when we finally t- actually got on the phone and talked. I've done a similar thing to other people's tweets, you know, and I'm not going after them to be like, how dare you? It's more just like, hey, you know what? Actually, let me share with you a different perspective. And I have had people block me on Twitter Mm. um, for just sharing a marginalized perspective, which is deeply injurious because it takes Mm. it's personally taxing, right, to actually like um, put out that perspective that is often silenced in our society. So you were so open. You were so welcoming. It wasn't even open. It was like welcoming of, of my perspective and you valued my perspective and you let me know that. And you publicly exclaimed that. Mm. And, um, it moved me. It moved me. I was like, all right, you know, I, I already followed you. I already kind of loved what I, I had a feeling I, I liked you. But that really <laughs> I'm solidified glad I it. Yeah, you, you really solidified no, I, it. And it, I, it, was, well, it was moving for me, not just because of that. It was like, okay, it's worth it to speak up, right? Because sometimes it feels like it isn't. Sure. You, well, and, and, you know, and when we, I say sure in that, it, I, I didn't realize until we talked how much of an act of courage that was for you. Because for me, it was like, oh, that's a, wow, that's a really good point. And then right, I, I went into reflection mode and I didn't, I hadn't realized until we had spoken, which makes me, again, just another way that you've expanded my thinking of just realizing that when, when, when somebody pushes you, especially when we're talking about, um, I mean, anything related to diversity, equity and inclusion and belonging and, and um, that, that the norm is not to be curious and considerate or to say, hey, I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's tapping into my my big passion, which is, you know, we need to be curious not when it's easy and comfortable, but when it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Because when I saw that, my first, you know, and we'll be talking about doubt was like, oh, sh- oh, shit, like, I didn't, ah, I hadn't even, and then was like, okay, like, now I know. And now I can start thinking about that even more. And, 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 and also, like, what a um, powerful example of what's possible, yes. when we're willing to be courageous with each oh. other. And to be open to it. And, and, and it, it, it sort of, it, it felt like an instant bond for me because yeah. I mean, you didn't, you didn't know how I would react, but I appreciated. I was like, I appreciated the pushback. And to me, having people who aren't afraid to say, hey, I actually disagree or I have a different perspective is such a big indicator for me of, oh, we can have real conversations. I actually have a deeper level of trust with you because I know we can navigate this together. And so it was so it was so powerful uh, to experience that. And, and you know, and, and in full transparency for people who are listening, this is only our second conversation yeah. of actually talking to each other. I mean, we've had a lot of interactions on social media and and tagging and talking and, t- you know, texting. Um, but there is an intimacy now yeah. that I think was born out of that moment. And I'm oh, so grateful yeah. that you did that. I, I, it's so magical that everything you just said about the meaning of that interaction and the impact of it 
rings true to me from Mm -hmm. the other side of the interaction, right? Like it it completely, yes, yes, yes. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Plus one, plus one, plus one, Mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, I remember our first phone conversation after that. And there was, there was a freedom I felt that I didn't, that I don't often, that I'm not often consciously aware of that I don't carry around in most Mm. conversations, right? Like I knew that I was speaking with someone who was very open and welcoming to my true self and my true perspective, even if, you know, it may be uncomfortable for her. And Mm -hmm. that, um, it was like, I had space. It was literally like, I felt space. And in feeling that space, I recognized how the, the sad part of it is I recognized how boxed in I often am as I walk through this world, you know, because yeah. it's not how I feel around everybody and in every interaction. Yeah, it's uh, the word that was coming up for me was disarmed because yeah. like I felt very, I you know, felt very disarmed. And, you know, boy, this whole show is about how do we have conversations on com- like how do we have better conversations with ourselves and other people? And, you know, while we know there's a path we want to go today, I think that <clears throat> it's a. It, you know, it, it, it's a it's a linchpin moment for me, right, from the standpoint of of on multiple levels that are essentially like forever burned into my heart, <laughs> um, not only with you, but just in, in how to continue to show up in that way. And and also, you know, hearing you talk about just like that, that feeling of boxed in and how little I it's we we all are craving craving i feel like that that deeper level of connection to be really seen and to be really heard and to feel valued and 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 i appreciate your language of um welcoming there was something mm-hmm. as you were talking that that landed differently for me from the standpoint of there's something different and maybe you can tease this out with me of being open Versus being welcoming is what was as yeah. you were using the because I, I I don't know there was just something about that 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 using the word welcoming even for me was like oh where where else how else can I be welcoming and not just open and also in what situations do I feel welcomed and so I'm curious you know how would you. Because we, we were talking yeah. about like, how do we even start to dissect like the difference of inclusion versus belonging? And this feels like a beautiful pathway in of being open isn't the same as being welcoming. Yeah. Um, wow. Gosh, we're already there. We're already like my mind is already blown. <laughs> how do I even respond to that? I, I don't know. I mean, let's try to figure this out. I mean, one thing I do, I do think it's different. And that's why I found mm. those words coming out of my mouth, that it wasn't just a feeling of that knowing that you were open, it was feeling like um, you were welcoming me. I think there's something possibly about centering. Um, Mm. Like I think about when we welcome a guest into our home and how we care for them with um, there's a, there's an assumption of caring. There are gestures of tender caring. And I think that's different than, openness kind of feels like this is this is my space you know the door is open whereas Mm. welcoming is like hey come into my space I want to understand you and I want you to feel like this is your space Mm. does that make sense no it totally I just blurted that out I don't even know I'm like thinking out loud it's no the the there's an assumption of caring 
Yeah. There's 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 an assumption of and and also as you were talking, you know, it made me think about and there's there's an intentionality. You know, there's yeah. there's there's a real intentionality with not just good intentions. So when I say intentionality, I'm not saying good intentions, but there's real intentional action that's taken to say, hey, come come into this space and I want you to feel good and I want you to feel comfortable and I want you to um, be you. And and I and that I go back to your phrase, that assumption of caring. And I I feel like <laughs> and I, I'm sure you see this in your work, too, that sometimes I feel like I, I don't know how to get you to care for your just to care for the people like and I mean that on a very human level, not just from a productivity perspective, from an output perspective, for, from a deep caring. And what would it look like if we thought about creating cultures, personal or professional, for that matter, that were truly, truly welcoming? Yeah, I mean, I um, I want to come back to that, but I just like that, th- that thing you said about intentionality is really striking me because I, I almost feel that as a sense of instead of like, hey, come in if you want, which is like mm. openness to mm-hmm. like, I want you to come in. I mm. want to know you. Um, so that 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 word intentionally really hit at the core of it for me. And then as far as like, how do we b- bring that caring in? I don't know that I have an answer so much as I have a concern that we are tapped the F out, you know, like we're all so (laughs) tapped out. Um, We are emotionally tapped out. And honestly, like that worries me because I understand why we're all tapped out. But I wonder what that means with regard to how much buffer do we have to care about Mm. other people, about what's happening around us. It's just we're in a different place than we were, you know, February 20, let me just speak to the people in the United States, because it was different in February 2020 for other parts of the world. But in the US in February 2020, you know, I think we didn't realize it, but our capacity for caring, perhaps, the energy we had was different. I don't know. What what do you think? Because that... I I feel like I feel like in the work, uh, it's interesting to, to unpack this a bit. When I think about that, that capacity for caring, I, especially I'm thinking in the workplace, but I think it could apply to lots. I, I, I think that we were constrained already yeah. from the perspective of there's such a sense of urgency. There's such a sex, sense of, uh, you know, perfectionism. There's so many fires we're putting out. There's so much that we're, we're moving so quickly in and, um, and, and so coming into a time when we all got depleted and are still depleted and, you know, and I'll share with you one of the one of the concepts that has been really resonant for for us personally. And, and when we're working with people comes from the work of Dr. Bruce Perry from a trauma perspective of we all have a baseline of sort of like our, our normal stress response. And when it increases, it increases. And then ideally, we come back down to the baseline. But mm-hmm often if we just keep ramping up and ramping up like our baseline shifts and we we had somebody recently who was like I don't even know if that baseline exists anymore I don't know if that pre I don't even know if I can find that person anymore and and that has huge implications as you've connected and pointed out to our ability to care our ability to show up our ability because you know when I think and and then the question that's coming up for me is you know 
<laughs> what does it mean to care? What what does that look yeah. like? That you know that it isn't just um, it's holding space. It's navigating the tough stuff. It's it's you know being really intentional about how we show up and when we're already operating from empty in in a culture, especially from a U.S work culture of just hustle, hustle, hustle. And we, you know, like we're working at our seams basically constantly. Yeah. Um, It's no wonder that there's a lot of erosion of relationships and uh, yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me. And I totally agree with you that we were already at a place of being depleted before. Um, And I think it just, you know, as we move into mental health awareness month, I just, again, like see the dots connecting with Mm. our mental health and how that becomes a bigger priority, not just for ourselves, which should be enough, right? Like we're allowed to care about ourselves, but also to allow us to not be at the bottom of our barrels, right? To like, Mm. to fill up those barrels so we can then actually care more about other people and other things that in our hearts we do care about, but we just don't have the energy to kind of express that caring perhaps. So, you know, self-care isn't just for the self, according Mm. to how you and I have just connected the dots. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, and, and so let's, you know, I I do want to shift a little bit, but it's all connected um, from the standpoint of, the cost of that, yeah. the cost of not having spaces that are welcoming, the cost of, and and, I, and and knowing that we have a, a lot of our audiences either in the HR space or in the leadership space, I do want to I want to take a moment and just hear from you how you define the difference between inclusion versus belonging, which maybe like ties into the being open versus like the invitation versus the welcoming. Um, and so I just like just to ground us in that as we think about how do we how do we truly create spaces where you know, we can be our best selves, we can be our whole selves, we can hopefully be in a place where we're not being depleted, or gosh, worse yet harmed. Yeah, which we exactly. know happens. Yeah, so um, belong, I, I think that if you're actually moving towards belonging and creating a culture workplace where people feel like they belong, um, you will by definition be being more inclusive. So mm. um the the trouble I have with the term inclusion isn't really the term. It's more about how it tends to be practiced and it tends to be practiced in a very top down way with organizations being like, Hey, we're doing programs, A, B, and C to be inclusive. Yay on us. And meanwhile, the people in the organization are like, well, that's great. You're solving problems, A, B, and C, but those aren't my problems. My problems are X, Y, and Z. Mm. You never bothered to ask me what my problems are. Um, that so how inclusion tends to be practiced bothers me because th- that's mm. where we see that disconnect between what an organization is doing and are they actually having success in truly being more inclusive. So belonging allows for valuing the subjective. It's it's about valuing as data each person's lived experience. So belonging requires you not to assume what it's going to take for you, Sarah, to feel like you belong with me, but to actually ask you, Sarah, you know, tell me about a time you experienced belonging. Tell me about a time you felt like you didn't belong. I start to then, you know, exercise that curiosity that you talk about a lot and, and understand who you are and understand what I need to do 
to help you feel like you belong. And so that's more of a bottom up approach. So I always Mm -hmm. say, right, like you actually have to define the pain points from the bottom up. You have to actually address the pain points from the top down. That that defining the pain points from the bottom up, that's a belonging approach. If you are going to do that, you are going to actually achieve, inclusion isn't something that's achievable. It's something you're always working on, but you will be on the path to inclusion. But I think part of what we struggle with is really this idea that um, we have to have social science studies that validate um, the ways we're going about inclusion. And I am a, I have a degree in sociology. Like I love social science studies, but let's be honest, there's tremendous bias in what studies are actually conducted, who is conducting those studies, mm. which papers are published. So there's this whole dearth of research on areas that are actually really important to marginalized people. And so it's even more imperative that we not just say, hey, we're only going to do what the studies tell us to do, and we don't need to talk to anybody. Let's just look at the studies and do this top down. It's more imperative that we say, I'm going to actually do a study in my organization and understand what is happening with the people in this organization. What are their experiences? What are their needs? Mm. Hearing you talk about that, one of the things that was coming up for me was sort of this idea of when it's always approached from a top down is, is is there's still so much gatekeeping and parameters put on that from the standpoint of we're going to hire, we're going to hire more, you know, diverse, right. That's always the, like the, the place that people jump to like, well, we're going to, we're just going to recruit. We're going to hire, hire more. And then, and then, okay, great. Well, that, I mean, there's lots of issues with that, (laughs) but, um, uh, but then it's like, look what we did. We, we brought them into the first yeah. level. Like, and then they leave in, after a year. And then right? they leave. <laughs> and then we don't promote them. And we don't invite them to be part of important yeah. conversations. And we don't. Yeah. And 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 I, I, I love that language of the pain points have to be identified bottom, bottom up. Yep. And then the changes have to happen top down. I, I haven't heard, it, it, you know, sometimes you hear it. It's like, oh, I haven't heard it phrased that way. And it's so, so important and so powerful um, because again, like sometimes that that's just not happening. The other, the other thing that was coming up for me too, is in hearing you talk about, cause you were singing to my heart when it's like, what do you, like, when do you feel include, like when, when have you felt like you belonged somewhere? And, and even just using that word, because sometimes I think there's this over tendency to want to simplify the complexity of humans, right? That's like, yeah. look, we're all going to take an assessment. I know you're a red, so this is what you need. And I'm going to show <laughs> up in this way. Instead of I'm always like, you don't need an assessment. If you just paid attention and asked questions and listened, oh, yes. you can learn everything that you need about. And not only that, but holy gosh, the act of asking and listening and wanting to know that information, guess what? That's going to make that person feel way safer. And you're going to build that deeper level of trust yeah. in the act of even just exploring. I hadn't made that connection before as I'm saying this out loud, but it's like, oh, we're going to take this assessment to build trust. Actually, just the act of having a conversation about needs and about all and, and, and meeting yeah. those needs and, and adjusting to it and... I, I I am like you are um, another blowing my mind moment because, yeah, I mean, I think this is tied to capitalism and how we package and try to sell. We're going to go there. We're going to go there. Oh, my gosh. Let's <laughs> go there. To I'm here. And this bugs me because those assessments, oh, and trust me, I use those. I'm certified. I know, right? Yeah, me too. I, 
And so, right, well, we we use those as tools. And I don't think it's to say they're bad tools to use. I think we have to be strategic about how we use them and recognize the limits of them. Because mm. I, I know for a fact, these these are not tested on like a like with regard to diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, mm. when you're testing my personality um, and you're testing it based on like white American standards, you know, mm. you're going to see me as something different than I really am because I'm going to get these like strange scores that are s- sub-norm and will I will perceive as being suboptimal and probably the people around me will per- be perceived perceive as being suboptimal. And we start to shove people into categories Mm. and say, this is good. This is bad. This is how you could be better. And, you know, I just, I don't know, there's so much I, I, I feel that I can't quite articulate, but this recentering of our humanity that you Mm. just expressed this idea that it's as simple as a conversation, like a heart to heart conversation that that is it for me. That is like the light bulbs all around it. It's so thing. simple, but it's not easy, right? I mean, yeah. and then like you add the complexity. We, yeah, we just interviewed somebody who I'm excited for you to hear uh, where we talked about men in intimacy and how oh, yeah. that vulnerability yeah. and that front to front kind of conversations is incredibly difficult and generalizing, right? But culturally, from a US perspective, is men's relationships are shoulder to shoulder, not necessarily front to front. And, and so there's, there's so much complexity to it, but it's, it's so powerful. And I, and it, and it's, you know, the thing that always, um, I don't know if it surprises me or if it gives me hope. I don't know what my reaction is to it, but when people experience that true connection and not just surface level and not just, you know, we're fitting into a chart and we're identifying it, but that real, like we're having a real conversation of just human to human. I mean, I just feel like Mm -hmm. it goes back to just human to human. There's, there's always this like, Oh, I think I need more of this in my life. And, 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 but I don't want to, I want to go back to the point that you were making from the standpoint of, and when you don't fit the norm. Yeah. Right. And even, you know, some of those assessments will do, and this is not me, um, I mean, I have my opinions about those assessments and obviously it's very clear, but like there's one that, you know, there's a the, like big five work, work, workplace, mm-hmm. big five, which is a, a well-known and well-established, you know, but it'll be like, here's the, here's the, the, the recipe, if you will, for like a, yeah. a, a leader. And it's oh. like, oh, oh no. Yeah. But, but, but that's problematic. That <laughs> is so problematic. And know? then think about how some organizations use these for hiring it. it yeah. I'm like, how I, I, I can't even wrap my brain around it because I will be enraged. Like you cannot mm. use that stuff mm. for hiring. But mm. yeah, yeah. I um, okay. And yeah. you and you also. And I want to come back to like language you use, which is like if you don't feel if you don't fit the pattern or the expectations of standard U.S. white male, mm-hmm. you know, expectations, you use the word suboptimal, mm-hmm. and that that triggered like that that's stuck in my ear a bit of like it wasn't even just like oh yeah and I'm not this but like I'm actually less than I actually am going to say it even more strongly it's not even that you feel suboptimal it's that you feel subpar Mm. it's you know it's one thing suboptimal is like a minus you know subpar is like c minus and and Mm. that's what you feel um Sorry, what was your question? I no, cut you off before this, you answered no, your question. You're absolutely like you're you're answering it and exploring it 
in the way yeah. that it needs to be explored. Well, that this is an area that I do a lot of my work in because we look at the impacts of bias. You know, um, you have to address bias from both ends. You have to stop biasing. <laughs> I just made it into a word. A sure. Word. Yeah. <laughs> um, stop actually you know, directing bias at other people, stop harming. So organizations have to build in programs and initiatives and policies and procedures and practices that are all about stopping the freaking harm. Mm. But we also have to recognize that mo- many of us have been on the receiving end of harm for a lifetime. And we have to also then as organizations provide programs, have our policies, procedures, all that designed to promote healing from that harm, to give back what we took away, right, as a society. And I worry that we tend to see these things as one or the other. Mm. You know, I think there was a greater focus societally on the healing from the harm, but it came across more, it wasn't, it wasn't in that language or couched in those terms or even that mindset. It was more like fix yourselves. Right, We're going to help you right. fix yourselves. This yeah. is what's wrong with you, marginalized mm-hmm. folks. You know, you're not confident enough, right? Like this is where it ties to the imposter syndrome conversation, which is an area we do a lot of work in. You know, you're not confident enough. You're not this enough. You need to be more aggressive. Oh, wait. Oh, um, black lady, you're being too mm-hmm. aggressive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like all of that kind of something's wrong with you. The problem's not us. The problem is you. We're going to be so nice is to teach you how to fix the problem. And to teach you how to fix the problem, we're going to teach you how to be like us because we're the successful ones and you're subpar. So we're going to bring you up to par by teaching you how to be us. Um, Obviously, that's not going to work because I'm never going to teach you how to be me. You're never going to teach me how to be you, thankfully, right? Um, So I have seen the conversation shift. And I think, Sarah, you and I have been part of that Mm -hmm. conversation shifting towards really pointing the finger at, at the structural root causes of a lot of the struggles that marginalized folks face. This idea that I don't need fixing. It's the system that needs fixing. And I am all about that. The system is what's broken. We are not broken as humans. And so I, I do think that we have to actually earnestly start to focus the way we should have many decades ago on fixing the system because that's that's the stop the harm part, right? Like right, we can't right. keep putting a Band-Aid on people and then mm. we just keep injuring them. So we have to stop the harm. We have to fix the system. However, now we've like shifted our focus fully and now it's like a dirty word to talk about empowering people who are marginalized. I have a problem with that. I do think that, you know, people are harmed and they deserve healing. And so we have to not just do one or the other. We actually have to stop the harm and we have to provide healing from the harm. And when we're providing healing from the harm, we're on the structural end creating spaces for people to bring more of their true selves instead Mm. of trying to squeeze them into these molds that were not created by them or for them. Um, Stop expecting them to check all the boxes and instead allow them to create their own, you know, uh, break those boxes and be who they are. There has to be that safety. But we also have to recognize that for many of us who are marginalized, and I can speak to this, I have been this person, we sometimes have a hard time figuring out who we are because we have had to 
alter ourselves, assimilate to try to get by in life. And so part of the work we get to do for our healing is to start to see those pieces of ourselves we've been cutting off to try to fit Mm. into these molds and recognize that those pieces don't make me less than. How I'm different doesn't make me subpar. Actually, what's unique about me might be what makes me the absolute perfect person for this organization, for this opportunity, whatever it might be. Um, But you know, you can't do each of those in a vacuum. Uh, you can't say to someone, hey, be confident in yourself. You're so awesome. Let's look at right. what's unique about you. Be bold. If there's not a safe space for people to actually be bold and be themselves. Yeah. We'll be back with Neha Sampat in a moment. In full disclosure, right? I When I first started um, doing some work, outside of sort of my space, I was invited to speak to at women's conferences a lot. And I that, uh, you know, that whole idea of like, well, women aren't as, as confident, I'll tell you this yeah. story, because you'll appreciate it. Right. And it's not like, we can't just choose to be confident, like confident comes from out, it's an output, right, of right. us living our values, potentially taking risks. And I mean, all these things that we can, can do to, 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 to build that. So I, I had this, you know, like, great presentation that people right responded to really powerfully. I don't remember what shifted, but I was at I was literally sitting in the hotel the night before. It may have been that I read Ruchika's uh, article. Yeah, yeah, on on stop telling women to be more confident. I can't remember. Stop telling women they have imposter syndrome. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We will put that in the notes. Yes, Yes, we will put it in the notes. I can't remember if if that was the moment that I got introduced to this idea or if it was something else. But it made me realize like, oh, I'm literally I'm causing harm because I'm telling you that you're the one who needs to be fixed instead of the reality is is that no our culture doesn't isn't welcoming to confident women our culture isn't welcoming to uh, you know women who are assertive who are direct who are you know are all of that so I remember calling my husband and being like oh shit I cannot do this presentation tomorrow I cannot I can't This like I and it was such a so I ripped everything up and I re like redid it and was like, let's talk about bias. Let's talk about the like the impact to it. Let's talk about also the role we play in contributing to that bias because it isn't just right. I so appreciate you did that because I don't think that it's about we shouldn't talk about it anymore. And that's Mm -hmm. where I worry the messages, Mm. the messages become don't talk about imposter syndrome is a dirty word. And like we can argue about this and like what's the right words for it. Um, But I, you know. Yeah, it's not an ideal language for that, but I still think the point of it, people still experience it, right? right. So so it, it is a real impact of bias. It is a form yeah. of the harm that has been caused. We can be angry about it, which trust me, I am. I am mad at the system. I am mad at all those people that um, continue to like call me out for owning my value. Like how arrogant mm. of you, Neha, to talk about what you're doing, right? This is a message that we have in our society. Like how mm. dare I um, own my value? I should be yeah. humble. I should be quiet. Mm, yeah. I should make myself Don't get small. too big for your britches. Right, don't get That's too big for I your britches. Like, but, just, you, know. you know, the truth is, it has caused injury. So I'm all about get mad, but also like recognize that it's real. Like the messages that have been sent to you that you're not good enough, that's the fiction. I'm the so feeling, glad you're going there. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad the you're going to say, okay, I'm gonna, 
the 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 experience of self doubt that you have, that is not fiction. That is fact. And I worry that when we when we recognize that the messages are fiction, I worry that some people think that that means that how they the self doubt they feel. They shouldn't feel it. There's something wrong with them. And they're relegated. We're finding the experience of imposter syndrome being relegated back to the shadows. And I'm not sure that mm. was the intention. I have no idea what Richie Gotoshian and Jody and Bury, I want to give both of them yeah, props thank for you. the article. Um, I, I I don't know what their their take is on that, but what I see happening is like I literally see people putting on Twitter, like, don't bring in an imposter syndrome talk for Women's History Month. And I saw it happen. Like I had tons of talks last year. This year was like crickets. And mm. it worries me because we can't say that the harm, the experienced harm isn't real. And we need to continue to provide healing from the harm while also addressing it at a systemic level. Yeah, it's I'm so I had it as a mental note to to because that was one of your posts recently was just so powerfully stated of you being told you're not good enough is fiction, how yeah. you feel as a result of that, that's fact. Yeah. And that harm is real. And and that's the the that's the reframe, right? Is that we need to talk about it. And yes. and there's we need so to talk much more about it. We need to talk more about it and we need to talk more about um, through the lens of why I think that that oh, that has yeah. been an evolution for me on my own journey. It's been an evolution, you know, even Nick and I, we talk about this, right, of like gender roles and, and working with people like working with uh, teams and, and thinking about it through an inter um, uh, what do I what's my why is my brain glitching right now? Um, the intersectional no thank you yeah <laughs> the word that i know so and i was connected. just writing about it it's thank you no we get 10 points for that okay uh, yeah. but no <laughs> but yeah the intersectionality of of, mm -hmm. of race of your immigrant status of the, yeah. your language all of that and and they're realizing that so much of the doubt comes from the fact that you don't fit the norm exactly was so profound. It's still like it gives me goosebump and it makes me so sangry. I'm sad and angry, right? Oh, like, I, love I'm, that. I don't love like, that. I don't, I don't, I don't, that I don't love that, but like, right? <laughs> and, 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 but, but you're right. The, the cost is real. And, and, yeah. and, uh, and it's not as simple as just like, well, reclaim, you know, like it is a process because you literally can, I'll speak from my own experience, like, Every time I get clear about who I am, every time I own and go, I know that's what you want me to do, but this is what I'm going to do and how I'm going to show up. Every step we're hitting up against this. It's like a container yes. we're in, right? We're hitting Ugh. up against it. And I hadn't thought about that before until we're talking about this right now. But but that reframe of because a lot of, you know, a lot of I, I actually know quite a few companies who bigger global companies that they spend a lot of time trying to normalize imposter syndrome and yeah. like, Hey, like it's normal, but, but it is so often through the lens of there's something wrong with you yes, instead yeah. of no, this, this, the system is telling you there's something wrong with you. And I just want to reiterate that point that you make so powerfully of healing. Yeah, it's healing. And, and I mean, I think about this even kind of coming full circle to our first interaction. Um, Sarah, I would never, I was not the person 10, 15 years ago who would have replied to your tweet mm. and shared my perspective because 10, 15 years ago, I was struggling a lot more with imposter syndrome. 
I, you know, which makes you question your own judgment. You know, I would have had this feeling like something's sitting wrong with me about what that person tweeted. There's something that's off, but I must be just misunderstanding. Let me just, you know, it, I, mm. I'm, I'm not, I, it must they're, be they're experts. I'm not an me. expert. It must be, yeah. me. I'm not an expert, mm. right? Mm. Who am I to question that person? That, that's the voice of self-doubt, right? Call it what you want. Call it imposter syndrome. Call it self-doubt. Um, call it internalized bias, which it's all of those things to me. I wouldn't have spoken up. And if I hadn't spoken up, um, I did not have the confidence to speak up. I didn't have the confidence in my voice, in my perspective. By busting through my self-doubt, I developed that confidence, which has allowed me to make a comment like that to you, which allowed us to, which allowed me to find you, my soul sister in ways, well, right? Like, find I, you. You know, and and I, I can't imagine all the times I've missed that. I'm not going to worry too much about that. Mm. I'm going to instead treasure the many connections that have fed my soul that come out of my, me having the confidence to amplify my voice. And what I realized once I started to disrupt my self-doubt is that I shake up the system in all sorts of ways. I'm a much better ally and advocate. When I see something happen, when I see someone direct bias against someone else, I don't do what I used to do with great shame now, right? Looking back like, oh my gosh, wait, did that really happen? Did that person really say that to that person? Should I, uh, oh gosh, should I say something? Oh no, what if then they direct something at me and I just mm. miss that opportunity to do what's right? Now I'll miss that opportunity because I trust my judgment and I have the confidence mm. in my voice and my perspective and my skills to speak up. So when we are actually building, cultivating evidence-based confidence in individuals, regardless of whether they're marginalized, multiply marginalized or not, we're actually empowering people to be a part of disrupting the shaking of the system. So mm. I see, I see the ripple effects of that. Yeah, that boy, Neha. <laughs> I don't even know what to. I, my 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 brain is like, it hurts because it's working so hard. I mean, like, like seeing the interconnectedness between. Hey, when we yeah. do this work on an individual level, it actually helps us yep. to also do the work on the systemic exactly. level. And and. I, I want to go, you you know, I, I really appreciate it, your language of I'm going to disrupt my self doubt, like I'm yeah. going to interrupt it. And I just that that was really resonating for me. And, you know, one of the things that I've, I've learned on my journey of, you know, truly of just even like, trying to reclaim, you know, and, and, and that and I say this from a place of privilege, like I'm a white woman in Midwest. So I'm I am the I am not only am I the dominant on multiple levels, but like within within my geographic location. And, uh, and I, I am still working on reclaiming who, who am I, though? Like, how yes. do I want to show up? And, you know, and even, gosh, even, you know, through through the lens of like, as simple as making choices for the company or whatever, like, I think I should do this, but I really want this. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I've learned, and I've continued to learn and, 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 uh, I try to stay connected to it to anchor me in those moments that are hard, where you are just like, ooh, should I, shouldn't I? Or it's just like when we get real clear, when we get clarity, that leads to conviction. And when we have that conviction, it gives us the courage. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Can you say that again yeah. for me? Because I need yeah, to like, marinate my, in that. When we have clarity around what's important to us, it gives us a stronger sense of conviction. Mm. And when we have that conviction, it gives us the courage to 
say no. Yeah. Which you just shared an article, you know, about uh, how, you know, women need to say no more. And it was like, yeah. no, we say no plenty. We're just not received. Exactly. That, that's that's a conversation perhaps. Yeah. For Dr. Erin Reeves, I think, wrote that article. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but it gives us that courage. And 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 it is boy, it's a it's an endurance game, but it does feel like every moment when you step into and own that, like, nope, this is who I am. This is Mm -hmm. how I'm going to show up. It's, I don't know if it's like, I don't know what the right image is. It's not like, it's not a sculptor chipping away, but maybe it is like if we're putting these Mm. blocks and it's like slowly revealing like who, who, who we are or shedding. I mean, there's like a shedding of, I mean, a theme that comes up a lot in these conversations are right. The masks we wear and the costumes and, all of that, but it, it does give you that, that courage. And, and for I, I me, love what if, that. that's where, and then that's where the confidence comes in, but, but yeah, it's so, I, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, please, please. I'm holding on to my thought. Please go ahead. Well, but, but, and, 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 you know, somebody, somebody once, well, I've, I've been told a lot, like you're so authentic. And I, and mm-hmm. I said, you know, part of, part of me being able to step into my authenticity is I've been rewarded for my authenticity. Yes. Like building my company, I have been rewarded. People have acknowledged it. I yeah. have reaped benefits from it. If I'm in a, an, a culture where I'm not rewarded for my authenticity, it's not going to shine brighter. That's it's going right. to go dimmer, you know. And, so and there are spaces thoughts. I'm sure you've experienced where you haven't been as welcomed to oh, be 100%. your authentic self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because it's coming back even more to that point I was thinking about making, which was... That revealing, that that word you mm. used about kind of chipping away and revealing. What I found since I started my business, and really mostly through my writing, is that whether it's like actually writing an essay and publishing it, or it's even like posting on LinkedIn or other social media, that sometimes the thing that is the scariest to say, that I feel the most vulnerable saying, is that reveal. And when mm. when when people can see more of who I am they actually recognize that. They recognize that part of me that is also part of them. And they feel so relieved. You know, I'm thinking about when I, around when I started my business, I wrote this personal essay called, um, oh gosh, now I've forgotten the name of it. Um, growing up, growing up brown in America when every day is Halloween. I think that's what Mm. it's called. And it was deeply personal. It was about covering. It had the metaphor of costume. It expressed a lot of stories of my experience growing up, um, being bullied racially and how I dealt with it in the legal profession and the barriers I faced. And it was a scary thing to even acknowledge for myself. It was like, it just kind of came out of me and I was like, holy crap, I didn't realize what I'd been through. And then I put it out into the world. And I kind of had a sense that this is a well-written piece. I was like, oh, God, you got this one, Neha. But I did not realize how it would personally impact people. Like I had people contacting me, random strangers. Neha, I am sobbing as I read this. Um, Oh, my gosh, this like I relate so much to it. Like those courageous what felt like courage to me at the time, those courageous reveals, those chipping away in some circumstances people will recognize you better and they will recognize themselves in you. And I've built relationships based on that essay. My business, if I trace back like, oh, this person heard of me through that, that person hired me through that, that person actually found me through that personal essay about every day is Halloween. Like so much of my work 
currently in the success of my business is rooted in that moment of reveal. And I'm not saying that it's always paid off because as the essay states, it's actually burned me a lot of times to reveal. Mm. But I think there's some strategy we can employ about how and where we express ourselves and push ourselves to do it because by writing that, and I've had the same thing happen to me where other people have written something. And I'm like, oh, I see myself in this. It was the unspoken thing. Mm. And oh my gosh, and it fires me up. And I'm like, yes, I deserve better. Mm. And I become that champion, right? And so we can fire one another up in that way mm. without realizing that we're having that impact, I think. Mm. Yeah, it... Uh... People recognize you better. I mean, that damn near gets me misty thinking about it. Yeah, me too. Because I mean, it's, it's yeah, like and, and and from the standpoint of you know, it's like walking around in a fog that's not clear. Like the the vision of us isn't clear, but when people see you better, it's it's clear. And and also, you know, and also there's some clarity around who you're right for and who you're not and who are your people and who aren't you, right? I mean, I know that, you know, as a fellow business yeah. owner, it's not, a, you're not for everyone. We're not for everyone. Yep. And, and, but the clear people can see me, the clear, right, that they can, but also that um, almost like, I don't, I don't want to use the word giving permission, mm. but a little bit of like, I, I know f for me, there are times when it's like, Oh, because you took that step of courage because oh, yes. you own that. It's it like gives me permission or it makes it feel safer for me to take that risk to say, oh, me too, or I hadn't thought about it or to share it. And so there's something so powerful. Oh, I'm silently clapping because I, I take that very seriously. Like that mm -hmm. is actually a driving motivator for me. This idea of what am I modeling, right? Like what boxes mm -hmm. am I breaking? Mm -hmm. And how am I, by breaking these boxes, creating a path for the people that come after us to be more of who they are? So, for example, you know, with self-promotion, and because I, I kind of tease that a little bit, this idea of let me tell you about how awesome I am. Let me post on LinkedIn about this program I did that I feel really good about her. Let me just say, hey, I'm a really great public speaker, you know, and that is something that really makes people uncomfortable because women are not supposed to say mm. they're great at something. And certainly like. Brown women are not supposed to say they're great at something. And I get a lot of flack for it. But I will, I am in a position of privilege. Like if I had done that 15 years ago, first of all, I wouldn't have been able to say that I was a very effective public speaker because I had massive imposter syndrome about it. But if I had said anything about what I was good at back then, um, the price would have been bigger for me to pay. If yeah. I were a black woman, a black queer woman, the price is mm. bigger for me to pay, mm. right? And so I recognize my privilege, but I also recognize that I can afford to take the risk now. I can afford to lose more mm. people and still sustain a business. So I damn well better take that risk to bust those, like break those boxes and build new models of what it means to be a brown woman for people to understand and normalize that, guess what? Brown women can be experts and say they're experts at X, Y, or Z. You know, that's normal. So I, I really appreciate that point. Um, and I think that I, I do hold us all accountable to use our privilege in those ways to kind of break those boxes. Mm. Mm -hmm. I just like that, that question of what am I modeling? And, yeah. you know, and, and, and where else could there be bigger risks? That's what's coming up for me personally. It's just like, where could I take? 
where can I take bigger risks because I can afford to, because right? I like I'm in a place to. where yeah. it's like, cause, cause I can afford to, and what is that? And what does that look like when you are, you know, when you are working with an individual or you're working with a group, cause I'm sure there, I imagine there are people who are listening to this right now going, holy shit. Like, just like you and about, I are going, holy just shit. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I mean, just like, yeah, I mean, just like, I mean, like, we're doing that too. But, you know, because I, I, I know that anytime when, when I talk about the idea of imposter syndrome now and I go, mm-hmm. well, so let's pause a second. So I just, let's name, mm-hmm. let's name what is actually causing the doubt. Because mm-hmm. the doubt isn't because you're terrible. Yeah. The, the doubt is because who you are isn't what's ex- expected or accepted because you people know. have told you you're because terrible. right right it's not your it, voice it's the voice of other people that yeah. has infiltrated your brain mm, <laughs> mm, mm. those saboteur voices yeah yeah and and then and 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 then when it's when i've positioned that like yeah it's the doubt comes because you're you're different than the norm you're different and then people are just like what what like i never thought yeah. about that so when you so for people who are listening, who are mm-hmm. going, wow, where can I start my healing? You yeah. know, like I, the system, yes, the system needs to change. And now I understand that it's not that I'm broken, but I understand that the, the harm and the hurt is very real. Where, where would you point people um, to start that journey of healing? I think building, I mean, there's so many different tools and tactics. So I, you're like having me try to choose a I know, favorite I know, pet like or a favorite the, child. Yeah. yeah um, but I will say, I think a more, one of the easier ones that you can create into a habit, and we know habits are really the key, is creating a to-da list, reserving time mm. at, and I'm really looking at empowering the individual at this point, right? Like the healing from mm-hmm. the harm. Mm-hmm. And I will give another tip on the kind of leader um, Thank you. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think you got to do both. You got to do both. So one, for the individual, um, we are not, many of us who are marginalized in a lot of different ways are not allowed to, and even in our capitalist society, I think, are not allowed to sit with our accomplishments. We're, we're striving. We're always on to the next thing, right? Did that, move on. What's next, right? That is part of the problem. That is why when we face a situation that feels new to us, we think we are not qualified for it. We feel unqualified because we haven't marinated in our past successes or been thoughtful and intentional about connecting the dots between our skill sets and our perspectives, our recipes for success from those past successes that actually are transferable into this quote unquote new area. So we have to build better habits Pushing back, it takes pushback on society because society does not want you to do this, especially if you're a woman, for example, or melanated, for example, right? Like it does not want you to sit with your accomplishments and own them. So you got to be bold and do it. And so one kind of habitual way to do that is I'm going to make this super easy, like reserve 10 minutes every Friday afternoon and ask yourself, what is one ta-da from this week? What is one thing I have accomplished this week? Don't look at your to-do list. And find a ta-da from there, because often our greatest ta-das are things that came out of nowhere and were never mm-hmm. on our to-do list. Put that to-do list away. Just blank sheet of paper, blank Word document, whatever, um, in the cloud, in your notes, whatever. What is one ta-da that you're proud of? It can be personal. It can be you know, professional. It can be tiny. It can be something you were lauded for, something no one else noticed. Just one ta-da. You can't stop there, though, because the gold is really what comes next, which is what were your skill, unique skills, perspectives, and experiences that led to that ta-da? 
That's how you start to build a bank of your unique qualifications. And when you have those moments of self-doubt, one, you will have less moments of self-doubt because you will just naturally feel more qualified. But, you know, we we never get rid of self-doubt. So in those moments where self-doubt creeps right. in, you go back to your bank and you're like, let me look at all my unique qualifications. Oh, actually, this if I could leverage this to in this situation. I may feel unqualified in the situation, but look, I'm actually uniquely qualified in the situation. I didn't take the path well-traveled. I don't fit that mold, but I'm going to come at this from my unique way. From and, and that's how the magic happens. So I think, you know, I've kind of really distilled it and simplified it. But I think literally just a ta-da list and asking yourself, what, what about me led to that ta-da? Mm. Building a habit of that, you're naturally going to start to see your um, self-doubt be mitigated and then on the kind of structural wait, pa- level wait, yep. hold on like yep. let's let's pause on there because we yep. got we got time we'll get we'll get to the structural in a moment i i've never made the connection between doubt and striving the capitalistic striving oh, yeah. and that and i'm sure nick is listening to this like i'm thinking about a conversation you and i had on tuesday night sarah when your doubt was real you know big and and he he asked me he said how like how how often do you actually listen and pay attention to the good feedback? Yeah. And I I made the comment and it made me really heartbroken to say it out loud. I said I feel like recently I've just become numb to it because I'm mm-hmm. just constantly like what's next or what do we need to move? You know what I mean? And it's not yeah. that I it's, I don't it's not because I take it for granted. It's not because I go, "Oh yeah, of course, that's not it." But I'm not slowing down enough to actually go we should celebrate that that was big and and i and i hadn't i hadn't made the connection of just that like culture of striving and constantly doing better and constantly and you know we even had a moment as the team we were we were on a call with a potential client and uh i was having a low right i mean i'm human like this has just been a it's been a tender week for for my my doubts been high and uh well, you know, we're talking and, and halfway through, she goes, I'm sorry, like, are you are you hiring? I would literally come and just sweep the floors to just be part of it, part of what you all are doing oh and part gosh. of your conversations. And it, and it was so sweet and it was so easy to be like, oh, no, that's like, actually, we might be posting or, you know, whatever, but thank you. And then it was like, as soon as we got off the call, it was, okay, what do we need to do? And da, 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 da. And like, we went into task mode and I was just like, can we just celebrate for a second? Yeah that yeah. moment like oh, i mean because yeah. we don't and and don't. and you're right that like it becomes such an important anchor of 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 getting us through the doubt because we can't remove it right but yeah. we can hopefully like quiet it and get through it faster that feel like that's always oh, my yeah, goal is how sure. can i get through it faster um and not have to have it pull me down so i just wanted to pause on that because i i just when you talked about striving, I was like, oh, God, she's talking about me right now. Like this, well, you know this so is feeling very real for me. What's so interesting is the seminal study on imposter syndrome done by Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes um, was about imposter syndrome and high achieving women. There is mm. a connection between mm. high achievement and imposter syndrome, which seems like that that's ironic like what right um right. but you can see it right we we high achievers set our own bars so dang high and we surround ourselves with a bunch of high achievers that 
you know, we, it's hard. We're human. We can't keep meeting that bar. And then we feel subpar yeah. when we don't bring our A plus game to everything because we're human and we can't. And also our success, like our outcomes in life are not just a result of what we bring to the situation. It's a combination of what we bring to the situation and a bunch of things that are outside of our control. And we yeah. forget about that piece of it. And then the other thing I was thinking about with accomplishment is we high achievers, right, are like constantly striving. That is yeah. what has led to achievement. Right, like the- so you see that connection there with yeah. how it feeds our imposter syndrome. Um, and I just want to suggest things if you aren't already doing this because you so vulnerably shared that example. You just shared a ta-da. So I would ask you to dig deeper on why mm. do you think that person – you could do this with compliments, right? Like that was a compliment mm. – that you receive that as a compliment, what that person said. Why do you think that person feels that way? What is it about you, not your mm. team? There are probably mm. things about your team. You yeah, say. I'm so uncomfortable right now. I I'm know, like, right? I'm always, and I'm always just, you know, like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, accept the compliment. And, yeah. and, and, and all, I mean, all the juices are coming up in my body of like, oh, yep. okay, she's going to make you answer it. And you should. And I will. Yeah, I'm going to make you answer. And you're right. Like, you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you in feeling that discomfort because you have been told by society not to ever take, be humble, be humble, be humble, be humble, be Mm -hmm. humble. So there's that cognitive dissonance, right? And so, yes, but we have to fight that. So can you tell me one thing? fighting it right now. Yeah. One thing about you that you think led to that person expressing what they did to you. I, given the context, I think that I, I, th- I think that what creates a space for something, you know, for somebody to in that moment, um, was being very human and yeah. having a ton of humility, also having deep care, um, acknowledging her struggles in a very real way. Yeah. Um, she's in a tough spot and just sitting with her in that tough spot and not trying to, to fix it. Um, we've developed a lot of, when I say we, my colleagues and I, we have such a deep respect for each other and trust that it's not uncommon that people are like, I just want to be friends with you all. Um, because we care Mm -hmm. I mean, we care deeply. It's not about the sale. Like the sale will come if it's the right, but, um, I, I'm, I'm, I can tell that I'm intellectually and intellectualizing my response right now. No, you're, you're doing it. I mean, I think you're doing a fantastic (laughs) job. There's, you named like probably six things that you need to put into your bank of unique qualifications. Mm. And you brought up the term we, which I love because it indicates that it's, this is, there are other people who deserve credit. But you didn't say they, which I think a lot of people will say because it's more comfortable Mm. to be like, oh, well, my team does blah, 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 right? You have to recognize Ah. that you are a part of that. And by saying we, that was awesome that you were able to be like, I'm a part of it. So my suggestion, and this actually gets to the structural aspect, you can actually make this part of the structure, is Mm. that you build, well, first of all, one-on-one, we can build this in because I feel the same way as an entrepreneur. We do not have people to celebrate our wins with so much and we're leading companies. So we're just go, 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 go. When you Mm -hmm. and I have our walk and talks, we need to make time to each share a ta-da 
and celebrate celebrate that. Right? So let's build that in on a one-on-one basis. And then for your team, like what would it look like to, I don't know if you have a periodic meeting with the team, but maybe even just one person each time share a ta-da. So you're not mm. taking up the whole time, but everyone gets a chance meeting after meeting, like, you know, within X number of meetings, everyone's gotten a chance, but that's how you weave something into a system, right? It becomes part of the norm by create by creating that. And and you're yeah. start you're going to hear from people things that you didn't even realize um were their skill set because they're going to mm. be like this ta da happened and what does that what does that indicate about who I am and what I'm capable? I'm blah 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 blah. I'm a really effective communicator. W- you know, when I was in high school, blah 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 happened and this is how I dealt with it. And you're going to learn things about your coworkers that are going to blow your mind and you are then going to be that that box is that mold is being broken, mm. right? You're mm. like, wow, you're you're surprising me, and that element of surprise and creating that safe space for surprise is what the structural aspect is about. Yeah, I, I, I. That's such a gift that you've given because I think that I've been a part of teams and we work to 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 identify our celebrations. I I think that that's something that I you know give huge props to Amy and Teresa. And I try to catch it myself. It's easier for me to catch it when I'm with them than it is by myself, though. So like, that's, that's the push for me. And, and to realize like, oh, and it's uncomfortable, because literally in my DNA is you don't don't get too big for your britches. Like you need to stay humble. And, 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 um, and then that's something that's still a journey. I mean, I, you know, I was, I had, I had a client, I had a client who was like, I, I know we hired you for a keynote, but like, how do you feel just ad libbing? And I just took a moment. I go, <laughs> I am at my best. I am literally at my best without a doubt in the moment following the learning. Yeah. And she, yeah. I said, without question. And she said, Love I kind of thought and like, but, but Sarah, 10 years ago, sure as hell wouldn't have said yeah. that. Oh, but, but I love that, that, that practice of, of, of and of who am I and what was I capable? Like, what did I do that contributed to it? And even the language of like, what are your unique skills and perspectives and experiences that brought? And I think that sometimes is, I am just speaking from experience is that's the piece that's missing, but that's, that's where we start to build a new Mm -hmm. foundation. That's where we start breaking those. And I, um, I think that's such a powerful practice. That's such a, it's such a gift. Thank and you. I think it's important to not just do it about what skills, because we're so we define yeah. ourselves based on our output yeah. and our skills, skills, mm. quote unquote. But what about our experiences? Our experiences matter. Our marginalization matters. Our perspectives matter. All of those are part of that recipe for success. And I don't think that we have as a society um, seen that as broadly and valued one another and ourselves Mm. in that more broader way. We tend to value ourselves again. We're just, this is going to be like a dump on capitalism, but like value ourselves based on our output and our skills, Mm. you know, Mm. but our lives that we've lived offer so much richness to what we're able to contribute in this world. That's, that's just the mic drop right there. I mean, that's the, yeah. And how, God, yeah. We need to have you back and we need to explore all of this and more. Neha, I, uh, well, I'll love on you here in a minute, but this, this has been such a rich, an even richer conversation than I think. I mean, I, I was so looking forward to this conversation with you, but I, um, 
I'm just, I'm sitting with the, this like physical feeling of deep expansiveness in my chest and my heart right now of just like, what did we just create space? Like, I feel like yes. I, like this conversation created space for something to be welcomed in again. Um, we always ask our guests a final question. So I'm curious to, mm. to offer this up to you. And that is what, what is a conversation that you've had with yourself or with someone else that was transformative? I think we already hit it. Um, mm. It was that, you know, there have been many, but we talked about the conversation you and I had over Twitter. And um, for me, um, much of the impact that I feel emotional, honestly, even talking about this. Um, for me, a lot of the impact was, I literally might start crying, was mm. giving me hope in a time that felt very dark. You know, we've lived through you know, these are heavy times. These are heavy, heavy times. And working as a woman of color in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, it has been taxing in a different way over mm. these past two years. Um, it often feels like walking a minefield. And um, we're constantly reminded of how little power we have. And that is triggering, right, to us and deeply injur deeply injurious. And um, our interaction and how you welcomed my perspective gave me hope and reminded me that I'm not always going to be shut down, right? Um, that it's worth taking the chance of finding my voice and amplifying it because there are people out there who want to hear it hmm. and will not just hear it, but will offer back their perspective and share themselves with me, reveal themselves to me um, in a way that I find this, you know, amazing community that sustains my hope. So I am deeply grateful to you, Sarah. I'm deeply, hmm. deeply grateful to you. I'm deeply grateful to us and how we hmm. handled that conversation. Thank you. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to sit here with my tears and my gratitude and my heart pounding out of my chest love for you and appreciation. And, and it's worth, I think, saying and reminding that that moment of courage fundamentally changed me and changed us and also yep. has continued to have a huge ripple effect because it triggered a conversation and my husband and I afterwards about how one the bar is so low for us white people and how we continue to benefit even when we're trying to do the right stuff and the the rip like the continued ripple and also the continued deepening is you know yeah. it's not just Ooh. like the but it's also like a deepening and a deepening and I can feel it even just in talking this out loud of um you know as somebody who's continuing to work on being more courageous myself in those moments and using my power differently and all I mean just all of that and I'm not I I'm not um flippant when not flippant that's not the word I want to say like I I simply adore you. And I love you so much. Like I have such deep respect and admiration for you. And, and, and I don't say that lightly. And 
and literally we're here because of you. So thank you. Oh, Sarah, I am feeling it. I am believing it. Um, I'm so grateful for that. And I also am sending that back to you. I'm so grateful. The ripple effects, you just mentioned some of them. Like I could probably mention like a bazillion more that I see. And I think there are so many we don't see yet of that conversation. How is that going to like, it's changed my life because I, I, I know you now and I, I wouldn't have even like, I have your book. I get to benefit from your book. Like there's just so many ripple effects just to be able to kind of root back in that conversation. Um, deeply appreciate you. I love you. I love your work. And um, yeah, we're making it happen. Let's keep making it happen. I love it. Thank you, Neha. Our guest this week has been Neha Sumput. There's a number of things I'm taking away. One that I circled, I've starred, is this idea of the assumption of caring that anchored our conversation and that question of what am I role modeling right now? And so I'd love to hear what resonated for you. So send us a message at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com. We want to hear from you. So what resonated? What are you curious about? Uh, what is your ta-da? Please share with us. Also, my DMs are always open on social media. And if you'd like to find out more about our work and how we can help you or your team have conversations that matter, check us out at sarahnollwilson.com. You can also pick up a copy of my latest book, Don't Feed the Elephants, wherever books are sold. And if you'd like to support the show, please consider becoming a patron. Uh, you can visit patreon.com slash conversations on conversations, where not only your financial support will sustain this podcast and our amazing team that makes it possible, but you'll also get access to some pretty great benefits like swag and Patreon-only content and events. And if you haven't already please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can do so on iTunes, Spotify, or other podcast platforms. This helps us get the word out and continue to bring on amazing guests each week. Thank you to our incredible team who makes this podcast possible. To our producer, Nick Wilson, sound editor, Drew Knoll, transcriptionist, Olivia Reinert, and marketing consultant, Caitlin Summit Nelson. And a wholehearted, deep breath thank you to our guest, Neha Sumput. She's incredible. I know that I am leaving our conversation different, and I hope that you are as well. This has been Conversations on Conversations. Thank you so much for listening, and remember that when we can change the conversations we have with ourselves and others, we can change the world. So take care. Please make sure you rest and rehydrate, and we'll see you again next week.